We got Alan Nelson the fourth in the building yet again. So, Danny, we talked last week about how it's going to be a challenge just to get our friends back in, let alone all these big names we're talking about. We got Quattro back in the building. Thankfully. <laughs> I'm still waking up. I'll be honest this morning. I'll just be honest. I did not want to get up and come here this morning. It's not the fact of you not wanting to come here. You just didn't want to get up. You just wanted to sleep. That's true. This is early. Four, 4.08. 4.08. That's when my alarm went off. My yeah. alarm did some weird stuff. I don't know why it didn't go off when it was supposed to, but it didn't. Maybe because I do weird things when I'm sleeping. I don't know. I always set two alarms. So, I, I knew I wasn't going to want to get up this morning, so I set two alarms. Thankfully, the second one worked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for the day that we do have a friend coming in or some. We're going to look out and get a big name, you know, whoever. Well, what do you mean? We got a big name right here. <laughs> I'm talking about like. <laughs> we had Ryan Bush last week. Or two weeks ago. Well, you're right. You're disrespecting our guests. No, no, no. One week. <laughs> Hear me out. One week, we are going to have a big name. We do have a big name with us now. What, you think like John MacArthur or something? <laughs> 4 a.m. Hey. It'd be 2 a.m. On, on, on the West Coast. To come roll with it. Hey. And Danny. We're going to slide the check on the table. That way he'll come. <laughs> Only issue is. He'll open. He'll open Cole, the envelope. Cole's mission in <laughs> is going better than what I thought. He'll open the envelope to see the check, and it's going to be zero dollars. What? No, <laughs> three dollars and forty-eight cents. My point is, I'm waiting for sixteen dollars and eighty-nine cents. I'm waiting for the day that we have somebody like Quattro, and it's going to be five thirty. Danny says, "Hey, dude, I accidentally slept in." Oh man. Oh, when there's, you're a hard sleeper. I'm a hard sleeper, but the higher the stakes, it's like, like I'm. I didn't want to come. I'm here. I was a little late, but I'm here. But the higher the stakes, the less likely I am to sleep in because in my subconscious, in my sleep, I'm waking up like six times to make sure I didn't oversleep. I haven't slept in a month. I mean, we basically. <laughs> Didn't we do this about a month ago? Was it the end of June? Yeah, was it the slept. end of June? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, it was the end I of June. I haven't slept in a month. Yeah, Is so, that what you said? Yeah, so the end of June, we did this. And then, you know, I went to, then I went to Mexico. And, uh, yep. and now at the end of July, I'm doing this again. And so it's, uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't slept a lot, I feel like. Yeah, summertime's a busy time for Quattro. You know, it's so it's so strange because you're like, well, here's summer and it's gonna kind of be, it's gonna kind of be a break. But the last few summers really haven't really haven't been a break. You've unleashed your inner. No, not when you have five pastor. kids. Well, remember last year we went down to uh, where did we go last year? Denton, remember? Yeah, you, and, you, you know, you, and then you came the, with us, and, and yeah, and then I turned around and went to Nashville and. Then I went to and preached in Ohio, and then every year since 2018, I've been um, doing Wade Lentz's kids camp. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and so that's next week. So they're not in the association, so they always get like uh, <laughs> they always get like whatever week is left over, you know. And so it's usually like right before school. Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's next week, the first week of August, that I'm I'm preaching out there. Uh, at what camp? Uh, Cold Springs Cold is that what's called? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How was your trip to Mexico? I don't want to be, you know, Baptist preachers are always hyperbolic all the time you know and uh so i don't want to be over i don't want to be over hyperbolic but honestly it was it really was like the best trip i've ever been on i've just summarized it real quick um I, I told my church this sunday but like here i am you know the arkansas pastor i'm gonna go out there and and uh i'm going to you know teach pastors out there and church members out there about the glory and beauty and wonder of the local church that's what the conference was on you know the local church and so um, here I am, I go down there, and I I do think I, I helped and I benefited, but they benefited me so much. There's mm-hmm. such a hunger. Listen, guys, there are a couple churches that are 1689 churches, and then there's a couple of guys, a lot of charismatic um, churches down there, and so there's a few guys that are actually coming out of that to embrace the, the doctrines of grace yeah. and Reformed Baptist so, like, I get down there. You guys will appreciate this. So I prepare to preach three conference messages. It's, it's basically like T4G. Uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to cut this off. In, Span- in Spanish. <laughs> right. And and Quattro shows up. They think that he is is mexican <laughs> <laughs> no no so i uh so i prepared three messages this is not who we invited <laughs> i prepared i prepared three messages and i get down there and i meet the pastor and he's like um oh yeah you're preaching sunday too at a charismatic church oh wow so i preach sunday at yeah. a charismatic church you got yeah. some amens at that <laughs> let's say no not only that they clapped I preached on a, the doctrine of election. I preached on Christ's vision of the church. And, man, there was a couple of times they were clapping, you know, and I was like, remember Paul Washer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, y'all, y'all haven't seen Paul Washer, <laughs> But But I, I do want to say I, I became friends. Uh, Randall Randall Easter, man, is – Randall Easter is like – He's the real deal, isn't he's he? He's the real deal. He's like one of the greatest preachers and brothers – that is like completely unknown. He used to preach with Paul Washer. Him and Paul Washer used to do mission trips together. That's pretty cool. It's yeah. There's a, a joke with Randall. There's a couple of faces he made. I was like, okay, uh, Paul Washer learned that face from you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other brother that that uh, so I've I got to know. I kn- I met Randall last year. You know at, at the Harold's at Harold's conference. conference. Yeah. But then I got to um, I got to. Uh, get to know i met jonathan murdoch in april when i went to randall's conference in texas and then i got to spend time with jonathan man he's an amazing brother so is jonathan murdoch a missionary of randall easter's church no he's pastor at trinity baptist church in port arthur texas but he used to be at randall's church okay, okay. he was a missionary in mexico city for like 10 years he went down there just you know kind of like you know how we do things in our youthful zeal, you know, like for Christ. (laughs) And he went down there. He didn't even know Spanish. (laughs) I'm like, what? And so he learned it. And now he knows Spanish. He, he, and he, um, it's an, it's an amazing thing, but he, he's, he's speaks fluent Spanish. I'm actually getting him to come to Perryville. I don't know if y'all saw, I I think I included, well, I just, I wanted 
I want people to meet this brother. In fact, I want to try to get, uh, I want to try to maybe set up a lunch or something. I haven't talked with him yet, but with Ryan Bush, a breakfast, a lunch, yeah, something, and, and just get them that'd guys connected, you know. So tomorrow is a crazy thing, but every week we have a, a Zoom meeting with these pastors in uh, in Mexico and in Central America. Tomorrow, Tom Nettles is coming on. And uh, he's going to teach us a little Baptist history, and John, cool. Jonathan's going to translate. So, pretty this amazing. Is, this is weekly indefinitely. Yeah, they've week. been doing it. I, I don't know how long, maybe maybe ten years, but they meet with these brothers and they check in on them, you know. And yeah, like their philosophy is, you know, we're we're going to give our life to uh, solid churches and in in reforming you know solid churches and so they check in with these brothers you know and they how's things going how can we help you know so um and then they teach you know i i got to teach one time on there but they they teach different uh different things they go through different things on uh on the zoom meeting and and it's (laughs) it was life-changing so Mm -hmm. i came back um my whole new paradigm for missions yeah Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean, you know, we're all on this. We're all on this, and I know others are on this already. But it, it's it's a way to see the local church, the the uh, priority of the local church, practically focused. You know, this isn't a mission organization. These are local churches pouring into local churches. Yeah. And and I came back last thing, and then I stopped. But I, but the Lord just broke my heart, filled my heart. I mean, so many things, and like I came back, I was just like. We're not where we should be as a church. You know, I've been here for six years. We're not where we need to be, and so I preached Sunday about that, and uh, we got to do some changes. You know, we, we've got to because Christ loves his church, and um, I want to see Perryville with a uh, with, with a Christ-exalting church in, uh, in, in, in every area. You know? So that's my summer, man, and... Uh, it's not quite over yet, and it's hot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, unbearably hot. Hot it's and supposed, humid. It's supposed to cool off this weekend, though. Because the rain, right? Looking forward to that. I'm a rain kind of guy. I love the rain, and I love the wintertime. You love a rainy night? Yes. Song about I that. love a rainy night. <laughs> Which is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> He's always talking about... <laughs> <laughs> Things that are questionably <laughs> classic. Hey, hey, yeah. I mean, think about it. You're in a conversation with Anything somebody. Anything cold likes <laughs> yeah, is yeah. a classic. Yeah. I, that's probably true. Like Arkansas versus Ole Miss this past year, 52-53 Ole Miss wins it. Because I liked the outcome, I'm like, oh, that's an instant classic. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was wild. That yeah. was an instant classic, though. Um, no, that's good to hear. It's good to hear the report. Of everything going on in your life and and things going on down in Mexico, I listened to that sermon that you had seventy two minute sermon. Um, the fact that they didn't throw you out because of that, it's one thing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what I miss? Uh, <laughs> no, you're just this <laughs> is funny. Why is that funny? The seventy two minutes. <laughs> the seventy. The seventy two minutes is funny. They felt like oh, you're laughing at the 72 yeah. minutes. Yes. Not, okay, I thought I said thought something I wasn't laughing. supposed to no, say. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, they felt like they were trapped in Daniel's prophecy. The 70. They're like, oh, the 70 periods of seven. <laughs> These, oh, no. <laughs> the 
70 minutes or 70 weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I feel like. It felt like 70 weeks. Yeah, yeah. I cut out one song. I cut out one song. Made it better. I made it better. Yeah. I heard I heard that at the beginning of the sermon. I'm like, oh, he knew. <laughs> he knew. He's like, well, we better make a woman song shorter this morning. You should have let him know. Look, guys, there's churches in our area that sing for 72 minutes. At least we ain't standing up in some. So in Mexico, I asked, I was like, so give me an idea of the service. You know, and I'm with the translator. And, and Jonathan didn't translate that message, so I had to work with a different translator, which is fine. But, you know. When you're used to working with one guy and you mm-hmm. kind of switch. Anyway, they said, well, we sing for an hour and then uh, and then you preach. And so I was like, I was like, I'm probably Wait, well, sing for an hour. Right. I'm probably misunderstanding something because it sounds like they sing for an hour. No, they sing for an hour. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So then I, I preach for an hour and five minutes, wow. which is different with, you know, I mean, like if I preach, uh, I usually preach about 45 no, or 50 that's, minutes. That's because the sermon's being preached twice. That's right. It's yeah. Being communicated so it's not twice, really yeah. as long as what it sounds like. Yeah, you actually you preached a thirty minute sermon, but it took an hour yeah. because right. everything's being the translator Alex time. You know, he was like I don't I don't get you know, I don't really get too animated, you know. You guys kinda know how I preach, you know. Oh and <laughs> he was like I don't I, I don't Jonathan Edwards. I thought, I thought Alex, the translator, was saying he doesn't get animated. Yeah, yeah, Alex said Alex said that he, the translator, he's like, I don't really get an- oh, okay, okay. animated. Okay. I was like, oh, that's okay, you know. But by the time I got done preaching, like he he was, he was yelling. Yeah, no, yeah. He was I was like, Hey, you got a little animated, you know, he kinda laughed. He's like, Yeah. He's getting into it. It's so funny to me that we've kind of come up with this nationwide unwritten rule like it's not it's not conventional to preach longer than an hour even guys who preach long times like yeah we really don't go over an hour nobody says it but it's just one of those things i didn't get caught up in this because i've been so busy but did you guys and y'all y'all i doubt you and so but like there was a huge dust up on believe this hey breaking news there was a huge dust up on twitter yeah, but no. but there was a huge dust up like two weeks ago or something on sermon length. I mean, like I people, you know what I'm saying? Like it's so funny. We're ready to to anathematize people like over the littlest thing, and like I think it was people like lobbing bombs over sermon length. You know, like you only <laughs> preach thirty minutes, you preach two hours. You know, whatever. You know, I was like Heret- heresy. You know, I'm like whoa, 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 scale it back. But I, as a general as a general rule, I think that our brains God has given us an amazing gift in our brains and they they will rewire toward things the iPhones rewiring your brain yeah, yeah absolutely but but so people who make the argument like oh just, people just can't take long preaching anymore you know like yeah they can they can yeah. yes um it's just like when someone brings their child to church for the first time and like, oh, he's just not good. I just can't come back. Like, no, no, you need to keep coming back. Keep coming yeah. back. Keep coming back. Yeah. That little two-year-old, three-year-old, it's going to be hard. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard, but eventually they'll understand. They'll they'll get it. You know, your your brain. Anyway, we're off on to your brain can take your brain can take more than 20 minute sermons. I assure you for sure. And it's almost like they've kind of adopted this evolutionary worldview without even thinking. 
Back in the day, they were able to listen for long periods of time. Now, in this day, we really can't. We've gotten dumber. We don't know what women are, so it's like, God, makes sense. Oh! <laughs> evolutionary is de- right, de- de- yeah. de-evolving. De-evolving, yeah. De- devolutionary. Devil. Really is a devolutionary. That's got 666 all over it right, right. There. Now, the thing is, though, I think there are things in our time that cause people to not be able to listen longer but they're unacceptable things like tiktok yeah of course the fact that you're scrolling tiktok all day and your attention you're span rewiring is, your brain yeah your yeah. attention span is reduced down to a six second window so, but i'm not gonna compromise to that I'm here's the gonna. segue here's the segue my dad sent me two tiktoks the other day by the way now <laughs> oh, that's amazing that's a, that's a reoccurring my dad has scaled back on that because he he knows now i don't reply to those <laughs> so i only got one last week I went from eight a day to one a week. So y'all are gonna love this. Ready? One problem is people don't read books like the Pilgrim's Progress. That is a good <laughs> but but seriously, oh, people that. people don't read books. You know, and they're like, can you read this book? Like people can read, but <laughs> they don't. And the church would be served pretty well to read books like obviously obviously Bavink is a huge undertaking. That's a ask. It's a big ask. But Pilgrim's Progress, especially especially if you, you know, I mean, I, we could all say you should read it in the in the original, you know, but um, especially if you, I'm fine if people read a modern version. Yeah, read we, it, we recommended a know? few modern versions yeah. last week. Read it, you know. So anyway, it is. It does have an entertaining aspect to it. When I was reading this Pilgrim's Progress, I finished it Sunday before I listened to your sermon. Is it the first time you read it? First time that I read it. First time that I finished it. I, I've read it like mm-hmm. three times. I read the first few chapters three, three or four different times, but never finished the book. And it was it was an easy read. It was, it's one of those books where you can look down five minutes later, or not five minutes, but you know, you can look down and be like, oh, man, I've, I've read 20 pages. I hadn't even realized it. Um, so it, it Christians should read, yes. There's no excuse not to. And Reading books is good for your mind. I've never read any peer-reviewed stuff, but I could say before I see the science on it, reading books has to be good for your mind. Yeah. On top of that. Physical books, too. Yes, physical books. Look away from a screen for a while. There's a big difference between a physical page, what it's doing in your brain, and on your eyes than digital books. Although I'm not, of course, against digital books. Sure, but you but there's just something there's actually something different happening in your yeah, brain. Yes. It's measurable. Yeah. Uh when you're when you're reading a tactile book rather than a ebook. Some people can't some people can't imagine being so unplugged, you know, yeah. but you but you really need to put the iPad down, put the iPhone down, turn the yep. watch off, turn the television off that's and what, pick that, up a book yeah. and that's and, what I spend my vacations doing. I take two or three books, um, and good luck getting in touch with me over, over during that week of vacation. You ain't having a classic cast like that cha- week. Cha- Sounds like, like a challenge. Like, like that, that would be real. <laughs> I show like real I knock on the door. Yeah, yeah, Danny's like, "What are you challenge. doing here?" Like you challenged me. You challenged me. Here I am. That's about. What, that's about. <laughs> Danny what opens the door. Do. Yeah. He's only got his boxers on. He's got a jug of grape juice in his hand. Quattro, what are you doing here? This is my vacation. <laughs> I'm like, well, you challenged me. Here I am. So yeah. another good segue. 
we've we've just shared a bunch of good wisdom for you and we would say just some good worldly wisdom but that's not (laughs) (laughs) that's not to be confused with mr worldly wise man so we concluded last classic cast with um, really the talk on pliable and things of the story of pilgrim's progress before that but now we move to the next scene where Christian comes upon a man named Mr. Worldly Wise Man. What should we know about Mr. Worldly Wise Man, gentlemen? Uh, Bunyan does a great job of naming these people. Yeah. So <laughs> um, you, there's no like, well, I wonder where he stands, you know? Yeah. Um, he wants to He wants to help, help, I'm putting that in quote. he wants to help, christian get rid of the burden in a different way yeah you know Mm. um yeah go ahead he's the he's the anti-evangelist uh or he's the pseudo-evangelist not anti-evangelist but pseudo-evangelist evangelist sends him sends uh, he's the beast in revelation yeah uh whoa all right (laughs) that escalated quickly there (laughs) Are you presenting another true theory? <laughs> no. No, I th- yeah, go ahead. Uh the um so evangelist sends him on the since he's sending him to the um the wicket gate. The first time I read Pilgrim's Progress, I thought that was just an old, old English word for wicked gate. Mm. <clears throat> so basically it didn't the the whole book whole half the book didn't make sense to me the whole time so I was like why why is he being sent to the wicked gate, um, but it's wicked which means small, or narrow, um, and so evangelist sends him in that direction. Worldly wise man has a alternative way of relieving the burden, like Quattro said. So he's he's kind of posed as. Um, in opposition to to evangelist and and we see that pretty clear once evangelist comes back and and later not to get ahead of ourselves but once he once Christian actually does get to the wicked gate the small gate uh, goodwill essentially says that um, goodwill is a man that that will meet later at the the small gate um, but worldly wise man he has worldly wisdom of how to relieve your relieve christian's burden of sin rather than uh uh, the one way in which uh evangelist is sending him to relieve his burden yeah and this comes out to me uh, now i'd planned to read this again before we had this i didn't but i've I've read pilgrim's progress a few times i've read it with my family let me give you guys just a quick side note and encouragement i wish i had the book's name i was thinking about it when i came over here but earlier in this year my 10-year-old daughter read a book about a fictional book about John Bunyan's blind daughter, you know. Oh, wow. And she thinks that she was converted. <laughs> it was a, a really well-written book and it and it just dealt with this um basically she was upset that she was blind and she was like always mad about it and everything and anyway, she ends up coming to coming to faith and um and so my my daughter talked to me about it and and you know we're still talking this all you know she's only 10 and we're talking and all that but uh really i mean john bunyan's one of my i'm sure you've already talked about is one of my favorite 
he's one of my favorite um Baptists, but I guess the more you turn you the more you learn about him if you learn about history and stuff you you kind of begin to uh you kind of begin to realize he's actually more popular he's kind of more popular because of Pilgrim's Progress than maybe he should be like he kind of overshadows some of the Baptist other Baptists like Keach and and Kiffin maybe in Spielsburg like guys like that that we should know more but yeah, almost some of the theological stalwarts sure sure yeah. almost nobody knows those guys but I'm really appreciative of uh I'm really appreciative of of Bunyan and he does a great job and, and what you see here with Worldly Wise Man in my opinion is he's like you, you see that you see him trying to quote-unquote help Christian but you also see that really if 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 Christian's right and if evangelist is right this is an indictment on worldly wise man. So he's like, he's also like, hey, uh, he kind of scoffs, you know, like mm-hmm. one of the pages got open right now. He's talking about, by the way, this is great. I beshrew him for his counsel, talking about uh, evangelist. And the footnote says, hope that he may suffer. That's what beshrew means. So what wisdom we're pouring out here. But I beshrew him for his counsel. There is not a more dangerous and troublesome way in the world then is that into which he hath directed thee. And so he's saying evangelist is wrong. That's the wrong way. It's, it's troublesome. It's dangerous. It reminds me of uh, Jesus, right? And yeah. in Matthew 7, he says, enter by not the wide gate, but the narrow gate. Man, you know what we hear nowadays? That is so unloving to say. How dare you say that in talking about evangelist? Yeah, message that evangelist has to say. Or how about this one? You're making it. You're making it hard. Mm. You're making it hard. You know, I, at a church camp one time, um, this happened maybe ten years ago. There was a, a man that said to the children, he said, "Don't don't worry about repentance. You can figure that out later. You need to just ask Jesus into your heart." Mm. And Honestly, it makes me angry, but let me try to step back and look at the the positive side. Okay, so the man, I guess, in his mind thinks, I want to help these children get to Christ, you know? And so he thinks, well, all this other stuff is hard. Let me just make it as easy as I can. The problem with all that is, though, you lose the gospel. And what we'll see as we continue on the narrative, you try to go a different way. You try to go a different way. You don't lose the burden. Right. Yep. Exactly. And you will go through the slew. You will go through all the different paths that Christian and his companions had to go through that were troublesome, that were troublesome, that mm-hmm. were hard to go through. I'm not going to spoil the story, but that were dangerous for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you will do that, but it'll get you to the end that Christian made it to. Yeah. And Which, and worldly wise man mocks. He mocks the Bible. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. like, "Hey, <laughs> in fact, he's t- he talks about the weakness, you know, oh weak men read that book." Mm. Yeah, he he asks, "How camest thou by this by thy burden at first? How did you come to this burden at the first place?" Christian says, "By reading this book in my hand." Worldly wise man says, I thought so. And it has happened unto thee as the other weak men who meddling with things too high for them do suddenly fall into thy distractions. 
which distractions do not only unman men, as thine I perceive have done thee, but they run them upon desperate ventures to obtain they know not what. Worldly wise man can be seen in the local Baptist churches. How did you come across that burden? By reading my, the book in my hand, by reading the Bible. Yeah. Oh, I, I figured so. You need to stop doing so much of the reading that Bible. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people want to, um, and I won't just pick on Baptist churches, but the quote, quote unquote, non-denominational churches, but they're really Baptist churches, but um, as far as Baptistic, I should say, but but the idea that um, I want I, I want Christ, I don't, or or I shouldn't say this. They they usually wouldn't even say that, but they say I want Jesus, not theology, mm-hmm. right? And I don't I want I don't want this deep stuff. I just want this service level, you know. And and we've done a um, I should say a good job, but we've done a good job, I guess, in the Bible Belt of creating a. Um, a, a way to Jesus that is just shallow and um, we don't want to think through you know the deep things of the faith and we actually want to call people Christians who just have some sort of surface level connection you know they haven't actually they haven't actually gone to the uh, wicked gate they've gone some other way and they they feel you, you understand that um, what worldly wiseman is doing like if you notice in the book you read the book like worldly wiseman doesn't have a he doesn't have a, a burden. You're like, well, where's his? Oh, it's there. He just doesn't feel it, right? This is the point. Christian feels his burden. Why? He's been awakened to sin. And and we could talk about an ordo salutis here, but like the point the point that Bunyan's making is like there's a consciousness, there's an awareness, like I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. And worldly wiseman doesn't have to deal with that. Mm. He's like, I'm not a sinner. (laughs) Right? Like all this like you just said, like all this high minus like I'm not a sinner, I'm fine, you know? Uh, I'm I'm a good moral person. Maybe he's kind of like Ben Franklin here or something. You know, like right. you know, he's just like I'm I'm a I'm a good guy. And he wants to send other people down to that morality, that moral road, a moral road that doesn't require a burden. Oh, you don't need the burden. Just just live a good life, do the good things. Here, go down this path. I'm going to send you to a man named uh, Legality up a certain path. Yeah, and he. He does that because in his worldly wisdom, he says, why would you, and this, I mean, this is what we're, we're told, what, what's read. He was like, look, the slow of despond is just the beginning of your troubles. There's a, there's a different way here that you can relieve your burden. You can, um, uh, you can relieve your burden without having to go through all these difficulties. And that's that's essentially what the world says. I mean, there's there's nothing new from when uh, this when Bunyan first wrote this book. The world's telling you every basically every other way to deal with your guilt. Mm. Uh, there's another way that doesn't cost you as much. There's a way in which this burden on your back isn't even yours. Someone someone put it on you. Um, there's a way in which um, you shouldn't even be guilty for the things that you're guilty of. Um, or there's the way of, um, yeah, basically, think of a lot of common mottos. Just follow your heart. Um, just do good. Um, yeah, or, yeah, that's right. Self-help, like, there's a way I can get yeah, out of this. There's a way that I can, I can, wor- I can yeah. work myself out of this. Yeah. And this is exactly, you know, I can change my own life 
um, to not be this person and not carry this burden that 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 the scriptures have have put upon me, yeah, <laughs> or that God has put upon me through His revelation to me through the scriptures. Mm. Sunday, I yeah. I preached on Jeremiah six sixteen seventeen. Stand by the roads and look, and uh, ask for the ancient past where the good way is, and mm-hmm. um, walk in it, and you'll find rest for your soul. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're standing at the crossroads and you're looking. There's all these paths that are large, you know, they're wide. They're all over, you know, and, and like you look down the path, you're like, man, there's so many people walking these ways. Like maybe these are the ways to go, you know, and then there's just one kind of obscure, narrow path, you know, and you're like, well, surely that's not the way, right? And 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 maybe it feels kind of foreboding or dangerous, you know, but, but um we know at the end of the day, it's not. It's the way to the celestial city. Yeah. But from our perspective, you know, it seemed like, well, there's so many other ways, you know. And and, and what what Bunyan's dealing with here is also something that happens. Um, now, you, um, y'all you may have talked about it, but Bunyan has a unique conversion experience in the sense that, well, I say it's unique, but it's like it's a long time. I mean, like it's a long time. It's a struggle. It's a wrestle. Mm-hmm. You know, he's wrestling with that. And so that kind of comes across in yeah. his um, writing. But this is true. This temptation is true, I think, just about for every person before they become a Christian or as they're you know, becoming a Christian, even if it happens in moments rather than over days or weeks or months or whatever. And that is, like, what can I do? What can I do to get rid of my guilt? Yes. How can I get rid of this guilt? And worldly wiseness sound like, well, here's how. Just like reform, like just be, be better. You know mm-hmm. that that's the whole deal about going mm-hmm. to the what is it the uh, it's in here, but the, is it the town of legality the, the or village name morality? Village is name morality. And and Mister legality. Mister legality. Yeah. There's a son named civility. Yeah, and you're like, hey, look, just reform your ways. And so, so here's the reality: some people do that. They ref, they reform yeah. their ways. They actually get rid of the guilt. The burden's not gone, but they're able to suppress the guilt by trying to be a better person. Maybe they'll say, you know what? I'm really going to start going to church now or, yep. you know, things like that. Hey, I'm really, okay, you know what? They, they need someone to serve. They need someone to be the VBS director. I'm going to do it now, you know, and, and, and they think that doing these things are going to, because they, yeah. they feel to me like, I'm, they feel guilty. Maybe they hear a sermon that they read in the Bible. They feel convicted of their sin. They're like, I'm, I'm a miserable wretch. You know, I need to. And then they're like, okay, how am I going to get rid of this burden? Well, this is the point, you know, mm. worldly wiseman says, here's how you get rid of the burden. Yep. Just reform your way. Like don't, yeah. don't read that stupid book. <laughs> go, yeah. go, go be moral. Yeah. And that's what builds up the deception of worldly wise man, because he's not the Jude versus three and four kind of person who snuck in and wants you to deny um, necessarily, he's not going to openly deny our Lord and Master, as you said. Neither is he necessarily going to preach a message that will lead you to uh, licentiousness. Right. What he's doing, he's sending Christian to Sinai. You know, Sinai gave us the law, which mm-hmm. Paul says is inherently good. And he's he's not leading to a life of licentiousness. He's leading Christian to a life of legality, a life of civility, a life 
that essentially on the outside looks good, looks clean, looks like you said, a life of um, moral reform. So he's not leading him to a life of uh, porn addiction or or drunkenness or anything like yeah. that. He's leading him to living the law, living the Ten Commandments. But the kicker is he's doing that. He's leading him to that life, and he's saying, look, do these things, and you will have salvation. Yeah, Walk this high mountain, and you will have salvation. Yeah. Now, we're, let's tie this back in with the book that we, we covered just a few weeks ago with um, um, the life of God and the soul of man. What Henry Schugel says is that there are certain carnal people. There's the carnal lifestyle, which is juxtaposed to the divine life, that looks at this and says that this is very attractive. The carnal life may like, may love things that are, on the outside looking in, religious. Yeah. That are moral, that are good, as these things are. Civility is a good thing. Um, legality is not a good thing, but the law, mm-hmm. the legal aspect, is good. Um, doing good things is is good and so yeah. that's why I, I say all that to say that is it's deceiving because a person who who looks at their sin and they see their sin they know that they need to change but worldly wise man comes along and he gives the wrong solution hey yeah all you have to do you don't have to have the burden on your back just live a good life here are the good things that you must do yeah uh the um the uh, anywhere there's a high population or Christianity has a big influence. This is a um, this is a danger. So like here in the South, there's a lot of uh, cultural Christianity where people like like what Quattro was saying. It's like people like oh well I need to reform my life and the pattern of life is like oh look, I'm going to do what church people do. I'm going to do what Christians do. Uh, the people who are best at this, I think absolute best at this are Mormons. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Mormons, I know they're like the best neighbors. They're like the, at least, you know, at least from all public appearances, they're like the best looking families. Everything's going their way. It's just like, oh, I want that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, but I would say we're undergoing um, a pretty seismic shift. Yeah, you know, I'm mean, like, yeah, yeah. like, let's see, it's 2022. You know, I want to say when when y'all say 50 years ago, do you think the 1950s? I do. I'm like, when someone's like <laughs> 50 did, years yeah. ago, like 50 years ago, I'm like, okay, so 1950s. No. But now I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. wait a second. Uh, I mean, y'all are a little bit younger than me, but like not that much younger, and it's like. When I think that when I think 50 years ago, I still think the fifties, you know, but it's like 50 years ago was the seventies. So we're talking about yeah. more like 70 years ago yeah. in the fifties, there's a different sort of morality, you know, but now, now like, um, maybe even worldly wise man would be like offended by like some of these no, for absolutely, sure. The, the, the moral, yeah. even I'm talking about, I'm not talking about LA, right? I'm talking about Arkansas. Conway, Arkansas. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, well, I, even then, look, hey, listen, guys, I'm talking about, I'm talking about Perryville. You know, I mean, like mm. the little town of fifteen, less than fifteen hundred people, and our standard of morality. You know, but but here's the comfort that people find, and that is a comfort in majority. You know, a yeah. comfort in yeah, um, 
we have all this standard we have this we have this standard of of morality that people you know just say like basically just don't hurt nobody and live how you want and it's like okay you know and and you're okay you're fine like and if you say hey that's not that's that's not christianity you know well then guess what everybody's favorite verse matthew 7 1 well you're judging you have no right to to judge someone you know and so um it, it would be interesting to write a modern day pilgrim's progress with some of this you know because you know, you think about Bunyan's day and, you know, going back to the law and obviously there's always been immorality. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's Bunyan's point is that you go back to the law and you find comfort there by being a, uh, by being a good person. Of course, thankfully, um, for our story, thankfully Christian is unable to, yeah. uh, to ascend that, that mountain. Yeah. Let's jump back in. What I like about Christian's responses up until now is basically he's saying things like, yes, I know this way is going to be difficult, uh, but I basically I'm, I'll do whatever I need to to get rid of this burden. Like I, I suffer more from this burden, this burden of sin than anything that's going to face me along the way. Mm-hmm. So what deceives him, what takes him off his path isn't convincing him that his his burden is actually light and that it shouldn't be removed or anything like that. We've already said it, but what convinces him is a worldly wise man says, oh, whoa, oh, if, if that's all your problem is, I've got an easy solution right here. So like, well, of course you want your burden gone, but why go through all that trouble? Why don't you just, um, you know, why don't you just go aside this way <clears throat> And go down to uh, the village morality, and meet with um, uh, meet with Mister Legality. So Worldly says this. Um, so after after that, Christian says, "Sir, I pray, open this secret to me. Uh, tell me the easy way uh, that you say this solution is right at hand." Okay, well, why don't you just tell me, uh, Worldly Wise Man, on page sixty-eight? Why in yonder village, the village is named Morality. There dwells a gentleman whose name is Legality, a very judicious man and a man of a very good name that has skill to help men off with such burdens as thine is from their shoulders. Yea, to my knowledge, he hath done a great deal of good this way. I and besides, he has skill to cure those who are somewhat crazed in their wits with their burdens. So, uh, again, there's He's that, done it before. Again, there's that sense of uh, you're crazy. Um, uh, to him, as I said, uh, thou mayest go and be helped presently. His house is not quite a mile from this place. And if he should not be at home himself, he hath a pretty young man, his son, whose name is civility that can do it to speak on as well as the old gentleman himself. There I say, thou mayest be ease of thy burden. Um, and so, uh, uh, and he says, look, and if you don't want to go back home after your burden's removed, you can basically call for your wife and children. You can all move here in morality. Um, so that's just the narrative playing out, kind of explaining everything that we've just talked about and, and where we're going. Yeah. You know, one thing I was going to say is, um, and it, it hasn't changed, it hasn't changed in nearly 400 years, but 
Christians are weird, you know, Christians. Um, and you see this like, and that's, that's one, if I say barrier to some people, maybe, um, coming to Christ, like if, if you're really going to do this, like you're like, we've tried to create a non weird Christianity, you know, Christianity mm-hmm. just kind of blends yeah. in with the yep. world. And you're like, and, and actually some people really try to push this. In fact, you know what, we could go way down a different road, but like, you know, somebody really try to push blending in with the world, you know, and look, you, you can be cool and be a Christian or whatever. Well, from a worldly perspective, like you are going to be seen as weird. You're going to be seen as, um, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you giving up all these things? Um, are you concerned about yeah. this? Yeah. And and one thing, it doesn't come across strongly in the book, but you do kind of get, or I mean, maybe it's just because my own, uh, my own uh, presuppositions, but you 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 get the idea, you get the feeling like, remember that, and I said this earlier, but this is an indictment on worldly wise man. Yeah. You know, and so it's like when we say no, no, no we're going to follow the book, we're going to go this way, like. Worldly wise man, you're like, well, why does he even care about getting involved? Like, why does he even care about getting involved? You think, oh, he's just trying to help Christian. You know, well, not really. He understands, you know, he doesn't want Christian to go through because, like, that's an indictment upon him. For you to find the wicked gate, for you to be relieved of your burden, for you to, to go this way, this is an indictment upon me and my way. Yeah, exactly. That means that means worldly wise men's way is not the way. No, nope. yeah. or or not even a way. Yeah, right. I love the subtle details that Bunyan intentionally uses. That are they're subtle, but they're so important. Um, so Christian, here's the things that worldly wise man says, and he says, you know what? <clears throat> if this be true, which this gentleman th- hath said, my wisest course is to take his advice. He's like, man, that's he's on to something and that's wisdom that's that's definitely wisdom so let me take it so the subtle detail that Bunyan says is this so Christian turned out of his way to go to Mr. Legality's house for help that's that is so important because that way is not the way that that Christian was set out on which is the right way Proverbs 14 12 there is a way that seems right unto a man but its end is the way of death. Mm-hmm. So many people are on that way. You know, this yes. is the way, you know, yeah. again, the yeah. analogy of the crossroads and all that, this is the way, you know, they see it, all these people walking. What they don't see is just over the horizon. Everybody's falling off a cliff, right? Like that is the way of death. It seems like the right way. Yeah. It seems like the, you know, if, if, it, because remember we're made in the, the, the Imago Dei, the, the, the image of God, and there is part of, um, you know, total depravity doesn't mean that, that there's not uh, any vestiges of the image of God left. There are. And so there's, there's, there's an appeal kind of to what we think of as virtues, you know? Yeah. And so, and so people are like, well, you know, well, it just seems right. Like if I just, if I just live right and if I just do right, I'm better than, than these people. And God, there's no way, like I'm no Saddam Hussein, like God is going to, God has to, um, make a, a, an exception for me or whatever. I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm this, I'm gonna put my head down and, and, and this is the way, 
that I'm going to go. But again, Proverbs 14, 12, and like we talked about, like, yeah, that may seem right to you. And worldly wise men, there's a way that, that seems right, that seems right, but it's, its end is its end is death. Yeah, yeah. and that, that verse is so fitting to this. Um, like, and that's the good thing about Bunyan that we've talked about. He, a lot of cross-references are missed, like he uses cross-references, but there's so many more that are not included in that. And on top of that, there are so many that could be added to what he uses. And that Proverbs 14, 12 goes hand in hand with what's going on here. This man read the Bible, didn't he? For sure. You know, like it's like what well, in it Spurgeon that said if you if you if you prick um Bunyan anywhere he bleeds Bibline, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. And uh that's so true. And it's actually an admonition to us men who want to lead our families or who want to lead churches like, you know, we talked about reading books earlier and I'm hundred percent stand behind that, but like Read the Bible. Yeah. And if you're not reading, in fact, I would say like if you're not reading the Bible, um, you need to step away from any sort of ministry aspirations, yeah, and, and and you need to love the scriptures. And um, man, I was like, I'm convicted and encouraged, like challenged, maybe all at the same time, just thinking about like, like I want my children to to know the Bible like this, yeah. to love the Bible, yeah. you know. Yep. Um, and you just see that anyway. Side note, but you just see that coming through, and he doesn't all the time necessarily say okay i said this this comes from this but you can just tell like yep. this comes from a man like i would love to see bunyan's bible you know especially when he's older like i love to see it like i bet that thing was like beat up worn i mean like pages probably falling apart if they had highlighters back then it was probably all highlighted up he probably would have church disciplined you for doing that, but <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the man, <laughs> I don't know, but the man, uh, the man loved God's word, yes. and that's why. That's by the way, that's why this book. Which I want to say, when do you? Th- when was this? Is it the six? Is it like sixteen sixty eight or when? When is it? Is it later than that? Sixteen. You're looking it up right now. Anyway, um, when th- what? when this was first published they they don't know for sure but it was around 1670s or so okay so that's why this book has stood the test of time as it were for for nearly 400 years christians have loved this book because they understand look guys nobody said this isn't the bible and it's not even comparable to the bible no. but it is an allegory that flows forth from a man's heart that was saturated with the scriptures and so that's why christians for for you know until jesus comes back yeah. we'll we'll continue to read this story and like love it yeah you know? it's, yeah it's uh biblical teaching on the christian life in narrative form yeah on on, on salvation in narrative form i mean that's that's essentially what it is yeah, yeah. so it's but it's it's bible through and through yeah uh, it, yeah and it's specific it's not like not you know we could look at other classics like c.s lewis and in the chronicles of narnia and 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 or whatever but like like this is specific like it's easy you're like you're reading this you're like yes i see it i see it i see it you know yeah evangelist comes along sorry daniel were you gonna say something uh yeah i just want to read the um uh read the this paragraph here, picking up on our last quote. So Christian turned out of his way to go to Mr. Legality's house for help. But behold, when he has got now, uh, when he was gotten now hard by the hill, it seems so high. And also that side of it 
that was next the wayside did hang so much over that Christian was afraid to venture further. So it's like a cliff edge. Lest the hill should fall on his head. Uh, wherefore, there he stood still and wadded, and wadded not what to do. Also, his burden now seemed heavier to him than while he was in his way. There came also flashes of fire out of the hill that made Christian afraid that he should be burnt. Here, therefore, he did sweat and quake for fear. And now he began to be sorry that he had that he had taken Mr. Worldly Wiseman's counsel. And with that he saw evangelists coming to meet him, at the sight also of whom he began to blush with shame. So evangelists drew near and near, and coming up to him, he looked upon him with a severe and dreadful countenance, and thus began to reason with Christian. I wanted to read that because it points out, and I think it describes the Christian or the the a Christian's experience or someone who's who's um in Christian's place in the Pilgrim's Progress. It's someone who because um, in the in the book his name uh, his name is he goes by Christian here because we know Bunyan's painting someone who becomes a Christian. We know from future chapters, future sections his name in the city of destruction was graceless. We've already said that a few times over the past couple episodes. Um, but let's be clear here. He is not yet a Christian. He's not yet a Christian in the story here. And so I think that uh, this is indicative of so many people's experience as they're coming to the Lord, coming to Christ, is that they've taken, this, they've taken the way of worldly wise men and it has almost buried them. That uh, they've been crushed under the weight of the law. They've been crushed under the weight of morality. To say, and they they eventually come to the to the end of themselves. They realize uh, what Christian realized, though it didn't put it in these exact words. That he can't actually climb this hill. Uh, he can't mount the hill of of morality. Uh, to make it to Mr. Legality's hell, uh, house, especially with his burden. Um, he's got conviction of sin, the burden's on his back, and no good works as he's pursuing them. No moral reform that we've been talking about actually resolves his problem, but it actually makes it worse. It, it, it mounts the burden on his back. Um, it, it feeds his guilt. It, it starts to to crush him under the weight of of his guilt because he knows uh in his in his heart of hearts or even in his actions we don't we don't get a full narrative here but he knows that uh he's a hypocrite or it's a or he's a fraud or that none of none of his moral living is actually resolving um his problem so yeah. his pro- his problem cannot be resolved through this way and in fact it's just making it worse mm. This is by the Lord's mercies, you know, because here, here's the reality. Absolutely. And when you have this burden, there's, in my opinion, there's basically you narrow it down to three ways to deal with this burden. Number one, you come to Christ and you're free from your sins and you, you're justified by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. You go through the wicked gate and, you know, y'all are going to get to that. The other way is you bury it 
in legality, like we've talked about. Yeah. Another way is, and this goes back to our last episode, I was with you guys, but another way is to just shout your guilt, like, I don't care. And you just, like, who care, Who are you? Like, I'm just going to shout my turn abortion. Back. I'm just going to go. Back. Yeah, go I was like, yeah, that's right. And that's how I'm going to deal with this. And so um, it's amazing the timeless truths, you know, that Bunyan um, is able to to bring out yeah. here. Now, I know that Cole's probably going to get to this, but I heard you talking about evangelist, and it makes me think, like, I think about this old Baptist, you know, looking guy, and he, uh, of course, he's, he's obviously Baptist, you know, but uh, he, and, he, and he's got a scowl on his face, you know, and you just think, well, that's not very friendly. That's not very mm-hmm. nice, you know. And, and you know, notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't encourage Bunyan like, Hey, you're trying, you know, I was like, Hey, good job, man. You know, you're trying and, and, Oh, you, you quit uh, sleeping with your girlfriend, you know, great job. You know, like we want to incur, like we counsel someone or whatever and tell them the gospel and all that. And they're like, well, well, I quit drinking, you know, and, and like, we might want to be like, we might want to encourage those victories, but he's not encouraging those victories. He's saying, no, you still hadn't got to the gate. So you're trying to find, no. You know, and and he, and what's it say there? I think you're about to read, or basically he says, um, let's see, I want to see. Oh yeah, with a severe and dreadful countenance, right? Mm. So that is that is evangelist is walking up to Christian. He's not smiling, right? He's got a severe and dreadful countenance. Yes, and because it goes back to what we're talking about. Like we're not talking about you know evangelist needs to be unduly mean or whatever yeah. but he's taking these he understands what's going on and he's not playing around and yeah, he yeah. loves christian best by speaking the truth yeah. to him like no no you are dumb you know yeah, yeah. you guys know richard yeah. owen roberts uh i don't know him personally somebody no. just said that name to me i think it was me Probably, maybe so. You need to YouTube Richard Owen Roberts. Says, look, if this- you want, if you want to talk about a seventy-five minute sermon, you just, <laughs> you just Google Richard Owen Roberts. Right, that's introduction. You, yeah, you, yeah <laughs> you might have a three-hour sermon on your. Evangelist <laughs> looks like Richard Owen Roberts right here, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you had to, yeah, to fight. and uh, and 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 Christians like he knows, bro, he knows. As soon because what's like he's blushing, he's shame, he's like he sees him. And this is the effect that godly well, by that men. point he's recognized oh this isn't the way uh you know i'm i'm crushed under this thing um he doesn't know what to do at this point thankfully evangelist comes by providentially evangelist finds him and of course you know what else is there to do but blush you know the man that told you the way now finds you on another way yeah. Mm-hmm. Our society has forgotten how to blush. Yeah. You know, we're not we're not ashamed. Not at all. I was in a uh remember I, I used to be a for like a year and a half I worked for like a secular counselor company and one of, and we were in like this group session thing and one of the therapists told everybody like how bad shame is, you know. And I understand like shame you can make people feel ashamed wrongly, you know, to feel shame for something that they didn't do or whatever like you know there is a wrong but as a whole though shame is a is a mercy like like if you're a sinner like you should feel ashamed like you should feel ashamed and thankfully it's a consequence of the fall that's right that the the lord uses for what's adam and eve do you know cover themselves and hide from essentially god and each other 
that's different than how we do it today. Yeah. Right. I mean, like yeah. our, at least our first parents, when they sin, like they're still, you know, they, then they're like, okay, we're hiding, we're covering. Now we're like, we don't care, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, the point is he feels, he feels the shame. He feels the conviction. He knows I've tried to go this other way and here. And again, my point back and I'll kick it back to you guys. But my point was evangelist, evangelist doesn't hold back. He's not like, well, you're just trying your best. Yeah. You know, no, he's like, yeah. he's like, no, no, this is not the way. Because when we're dealing with souls, and I need to remember this myself, you know, like when we're dealing with souls, like we're dealing with the utmost serious thing that we could be dealing yeah. with. Mm-hmm. And who are we to hold back the truth? Yeah. yeah. We've been conditioned to believe that if we're not nice and nuanced and winsome enough, then we're not going to win these people to Christ. But we've got to speak the truth. I'm not saying be unduly offensive, but we've got to speak the truth, you know, and that's what evangelist does. You know, <clears throat> we can't overlook how, you know, we've talked about how Christian can be perceived as weird and the society looks at him strangely for what he's doing. How about evangelist? With what he's doing, there's so many Christians, quote unquote, nowadays who would look at evangelists and say the things that he is doing are unnecessary and mean and unchristlike. You know, how dare he go up to that poor person who is struggling and things like hurting, that? hurting, mm-hmm. they're hurting or they're they have this burden and they are a victim of, of things like this. How dare he come across? come across this person and be so blunt with them and be so almost rude with them. When actually the truth is what evangelist is doing is the most loving thing. How, how dare he be so exclusive? I mean, you see this person is doing good. They're heading in the right direction with this life. Why does he have to burst their bubble all the time? When he comes up to him, he's actually saying, what dost thou hear Christian? He doesn't say, you know what? Let's live and let live. Let's let him go in his right direction. He'll figure it out along the way. Or he doesn't say, you know, at least you're, like you you said earlier, at least you're making some some good changes in your life. At least you're headed to some good morality. He's not content with the potential outward signs that Christian may be giving of of certain changes. Because where he's going to land at is legality and morality and civility. Um, he's not content with that, but he actually says, aren't you the person that I, I told you already where the place is that you should go? Aren't you that person? Well, yes, I am. Did I not direct you there? How is it then that you turned aside so quickly? How did you leave that so quickly? Uh, as evangelists, we, we share people, we, we share the gospel with people. Not only that, we proclaim the gospel and we we call for sinners to repent of the way of the city that they live in, and we tell them where to go. And there's not many different places we tell them to go. We're not content with them going to many different avenues. We're not content with them going to, to Mount Sinai, essentially. We're not content with them going to the village of morality. We have one place we tell them to go to, and we love them so much that if we see that they land on a different path, if they're headed in the right direction at first, but they go out of their way, if they go out of the path, 
we love them so much that we don't say, well, you know what? I already told him. He already knows where I told him to go. He'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. We love them so much that when we see those people have that burden of sin on their back, we want them to go to the wicked gate. And if down the road they are going off that path, what are you doing? Where have you, where do you plan to go? Aren't you the person that I've evangelized? I love, love what evangelist says here. This will get you fired up. He says, then said evangelist, stand still a little that I show thee the words God. That is the Bible. That is the scriptures. I, I would make one application here that the scriptures are sufficient in counseling the scriptures are conf- uh, sufficient in 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 counseling believers. Mm-hmm. You know, let me let me show you the words of God in this situation and and what's going on here. Uh, we, we're far too as a society run toward the uh, worldly means. You know, but here specifically, he's talking about conversion. And evangelist says, "I'm going to show you the words of God, so you can listen to worldly wise men." You can listen to the the inventions and, and ideas of men, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you the book. We we have a book. The book is sufficient. I'm going to show you what the book says. So evangelist turns to the book, and I think that this is a slap in the face to all. You know, obviously in in Bunyan's day, he would have been dealing with you know Roman Catholicism and all you know all these sorts of things. Like you can listen to these people that say, you know, here's how you get rid of the burden. I'm going to show you what God's word says. Yeah. And we cannot move away from not only the authority. Okay. You know, as many, the circles that we run in. Okay. Many people are affirming, will affirm the, the authority of the scriptures. Like this is God's book. You know, we stand in many churches by this is God's book, you know, amen, amen. Okay. But also the sufficiency like and so he takes Christian and he says, "This is what God's word has to say about your situation," and he preaches the book to him. Yeah, and the issue the first hand was worldly wise men said, "Put down that book." Yep. Wow, yeah, yep. that's right. Yeah, and we won't ever, we won't ever hear people come out and say that. We we have people. Uh, you know, keeping it Baptist, we have people in our Baptist churches who will say in one sly, worldly wise way or the other, put down the book. Listen, I know you got some, I, I think y'all, did you listen to the sermon that I preached? I, I've, I've got about six minutes left. In. <laughs> it's long, but I told some stories from my f- um, first pastorate. Yeah. yeah. And I could those tell. Those were deep, man. Those, those hit. Yeah. Those really did. I could tell you more, but the, but the, but the idea that like, happened a lot of times, like, you know, I was preaching through Philippians, and, you know, there's one deacon like, this is utopian. This is pie in the sky, you know. One one younger guy, he was like, do you really think, you know, do you really think God's going to hold us accountable by the, every word in this book? There was another man I visited one time, wasn't a deacon or anything like that, and he said, and I, we heard this phrase over and over again, but st- stuff like this. You know, well, I know what the Bible says, but, or, or I know I should be yeah. reading the Bible more, but. And so, like you said, they're not, they're not, coming out and saying put that book away but that's what they're saying right and evangelist says no you need to know what the what the book says yeah. and in in i've been in situation before talking with people and stuff like 
they get upset that you just you keep quoting the Bible. Mm-hmm. E- even people who profess to be believers. But this is what evangelist comes back to. Evangelist comes back to the scriptures. Why? Because God uses his word. Yeah. God uses his word to effectually draw um, his people. And if we're trying to be the evangelist, which we shouldn't here, if we're trying to be the evangelist and we're trying to point people to Christ apart from the book, you know, some people like I, I dealt with this a number of years ago. That's why I wrote, you know, from death to life. I dealt with this from a number of years ago with people like, um, okay, well, if you don't pray a prayer, like if you don't pray a prayer, like dear Jesus come into my heart to get people saved, then what do you do? And like, I'm like, it's okay to tell people what the Bible says. It's okay to tell people like Mark one fifteen, Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent therefore mm-hmm. and believe mm-hmm. in the gospel. Like it's okay to, to say that it's okay to foretell what the Paul said to the Philippian jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Well, I don't, I, just, I'm not, I don't know what to do. Like, no, no, just, just preach that. And, and, I've had pastors say, well, what if people don't understand, you know, what if they don't understand how it is that they are, uh, that they're to accept Christ or whatever. And you're like, well, that's not, you keep, yeah. right. it's like, that is not that final, like drag them over the finish line. Like, that's not my job. My job is to help them to understand that's the wicked gate. Mm-hmm. There it is mm-hmm. that and, and go and, and, and being willing, you know, like to, to follow up with people, like you say, it's in Providence, but maybe in one way we could kind of imagine that evangelist knows he's like, aren't you the guy? Like he knows, yeah, yeah. like he knows who's the yeah, guy. Right. And, and, yeah. and when he sees him, like he knows, like evangelist could have just like went out of the way and avoided him, but he knows he goes, he, he has a concern for him yeah. and he takes him back to yeah. the book. No, that's, that's good. It's, it's, um, yeah, we preach, we teach. What if they just don't understand? Where you keep using the means that God has that God has given you, and ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that makes them understand through right. through the regeneration of their of their heart. Uh, how wild is it to be like, yeah. oh, you don't understand repentance of faith? Okay, just repeat after then me, just re- dear yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like, wait. If you don't let me understand for you, then yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like, no. If yeah. you don't understand. You know, and this is what a lot of people have done. They've said, okay, if if Bunyan was writing today, maybe he would have another character, you know, like Mr. Prayer Prayer, you know? It's like <laughs> Mr. Prayer Prayer is like says, hey, you know, here's how you get rid of the bur- the burden. You need to just say this prayer. Yeah. Just say it's magic. It'll magically lift that burden off you, you know? One time I was counseling a guy, you know, and, and, and he it was like, I was asking him, you know, and, and he said, like, he understood and everything. Like, I could have easily had him pray a prayer after me. So I said, why don't you, why don't you pray? Why don't mm-hmm. you pray? And um, so he just prays. And he's like, dear God, you know, my, would you just help my grandma? She's sick. And, um, you know, just be with her. And amen. You're like, okay. He does not feel a burden, you know. Like he, yeah. he, he. And now we have to be careful. Like we have to be careful. Like, does he feel guilty enough? You know. Um, but that's. I mean, when you pray something like that, you you have no idea what's going on. You at the end of the day, what you're saying is you can't repent and believe for someone else. Amen. That's right. That that's really all you're saying. 
you can you can show them the way you can show them the gate um you said what i said like if i had your mind my sermons would be so much shorter <laughs> you said what i said <laughs> it's so much shorter yeah. I, would, I wouldn't have 72 minute sermon i'm a fisherman <laughs> this is why i can't write books i'm just i'm i'm too i'm just i'm just efficient right did you did you get the new book by danny thursday yeah yeah yeah. how long is it it's it's a paragraph <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 42 dollars yeah yeah it's hardback yeah Uh, (laughs) it's a hardback pamphlet (laughs) (laughs) i like what evangelist let's go on i like what evangelist says here he says moreover now the just shall live by faith but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him he also did thus apply them thou art the man that art uh, that our art running into this misery, thou hast begun to reject the counsel of the Most High and to draw back thy foot from the way of peace, even almost the hazarding of thy perdition. Of thy perdition. So he's reasoning, he's pleading with them. He's saying, um, "Look, the the you can't be any more clear than that. The he's, he doesn't say that the just." Uh, that the just live by morality, mm-hmm. that the just lives by legality, he gets to the heart of the matter. Uh, the just shall live by faith. Yeah, and read, uh, like, read just a little bit further. Like, this is how the word of God, this is how the word of God works. And look what happens to Christian. Then Christian fell down at his feet as dead, crying, Woe is me, for I am undone. At the sight of which evangelist caught him by the right hand, saying, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. Be not faithless, but believing. Then did Christian again a little res- a little revive, and stood up trembling as at first before evangelist. Mm, so, oh, the, this yeah. is when this this is when when I say, hey, we got to read Pilgrim's Progress. It's for paragraphs like that. Yeah, man. The ev- evangelist doesn't just come and drop. The law on him. Amen. He's he had just been crushed by the law, and so evangelist doesn't just come with a grim face. He doesn't come as this dowry sour, apparently Baptist. Um, <laughs> uh, but, hey, I'm, but, I like yeah. the sour Baptist. What I'm saying is they they really care for the soul, yeah. and this evangelist. Yeah. That's exactly right. Go. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I was just saying he cared. Yeah. Like yeah. you, like all of us, like as Danny was reading that, like all of us, like we felt this burning in our heart. Like, yes, what compassion yeah. he has because he sees, and we've all been there. He sees the brokenness, and you're like that's good. That's good. I'm not. I don't. I don't want to do anything to get in the way of that conviction. Like Absolutely. I want you to Absolutely. feel that conviction. Yeah. And then I want to say, oh, but look, look, yeah. Christ. You know, and and so he encourages him and say like uh, specifically, be be not faithless, but believing, oh, believe. Man. So you see, evangelist compassion. You know that's good. Law and gospel, law and gospel, Absolutely. law and gospel. Absolutely, yeah. Good thing about evangelist too is that he knows what the bad guys look like, and he knows what the bad guys are about. This bad guy, quote unquote, has come along, Mr. Worldly Wise Man. And he knows what he's up to. And he knows because of he's he's so in, in in entrenched in the Bible. He's so immersed in the scriptures that the scriptures have told him 
what the bad guys are like. And so he's able to take that biblical knowledge and give it to Christian. Now, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we can, we can go back. He says this, Therefore, Mr. Worldly Wise Man is an alien. Mr. Legality, page 73, is a cheat. And for his son's civility, notwithstanding his simpering looks, he is but a hypocrite and cannot help thee. Then he says this, Believe me, there is nothing in all this noise that thou hast heard of these sottish men but a design to beguile thee of thy salvation by turning thee from the way in which I set thee. How dare you, evangelist? How dare you be so blunt? How dare you say these things? Because evangelist loves Christian. These men are up to no good. Now, I don't know what sodish means, but I wouldn't want to be called it. <laughs> I don't want to be called sodish. Now I see evangelist as Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Fighting the bad guys. Yeah. What is it what is it that made evangelists say these things so strongly? Because he knew the truth. Yeah. He knew what the scriptures said about these men. You know, it's unloving to know what people are up to and not point it out. Here's this man. Who sees this burden? Sottish means stupid. Stupid. So Resembling a sot. Believe. Oh, that explains <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. That's all I need. <laughs> Believe me, there's nothing in all this noise that thou hast heard of these stupid men, but a design to trick you of your salvation by turning you from the way in which I set you. Strong language. Strong language. Strong language that Christians who are to evangelize other Christians must be committed to because it's the truth. Yeah, that's right. You can't play games. Now, now I understand there's, we joked earlier about calling everything, everyone a a heretic. So like, you can't call someone a heretic that is preaching 35 minutes instead of 45 minutes. Okay, that's different. <laughs> but you can say Joel Osteen is stupid. Yeah. He's stupid. Yeah, he's, ta- yeah. he's, he, he's, he's, he's a wolf. He's taking you in the wrong direction, you know. Um, people got mad at, uh, at Shylan a few years ago when he came out with that song, False Teachers. And uh, and and he started naming names, you know, in that in that song. It's kind of funny story, but like my kids, they go to the store, they'd see a picture of T.D. Jakes or Joel Osteen, they'd say, "Look, Daddy, a false teacher!" You know, they like yell it across the store. <laughs> That's how you know you've raised. Yeah, my wife was like, "No, no, no!" I was like, "This is great," you know. And so, uh, yeah, it's 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 evangelists not playing games, like he's saying they're stupid. They're wrong. Clint Eastwood. He goes Clint Eastwood on them. That's what I'm saying. Mm. <laughs> and you know the issue is there are Christians who know better who have let worldly wise men pollute their minds just a little. Christians who have already passed through the wicked gate, truly, not denying that at all, who will still, though, even though they have passed through the wicked gate and on are on their way to the celestial city, who will still adopt the wisdom 
and the solution of worldly wise men who will either, which this is hard to say they're Christian if they've done this, who will either on the front end point people or not be willing at least, I'm saying this sensitively, not be willing to point people in the right direction. Maybe they don't go as far as worldly wise men has done by sending them to Sinai because if they do that, they're showing the fruit that they're not Christian, but not to ramble about that, who are either unwilling to point people to the wicked gate in a truthful, loving way, or on the back end, are unwilling to say what evangelist has said right here. Why are they unwilling? Because they've let the wisdom of worldly wise men influence them too much, headed in the wrong direction. The only reason why you are unwilling to say what evangelist has said in this paragraph is because there are some other, uh, what is what is the term called? Um, in a, not intellectual tool. What is it that was used for the resolution 19? Um, analytical tool. You have either been influenced by some other analytical tool. Analytical tool. Analytical tool. I'm just saying that's how he said it on the thing. Oh. Oh. He's like, like analytical tool. Yeah, like... Okay, sorry. You have to be SBC to get some of my jokes. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't fully get that, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> because you have men who are doing these things, who are preaching the gospel, and not only preaching the gospel while the sinner is in the city of destruction, but calling the sinner to repentance when they're headed down the wrong path after that, calling them to believe again. And you have evangelists who are also pointing out the bad guys. Here is what that bad guy is. In other words, here is what that worldly wisdom is. It's stupid. It's empty. It's deceptive. And you have Christians who know better who say, hey, why? Why are you doing this? They're going to yeah. figure it out on, the, on their own. The idolatry of our age is winsomeness. Winsomeness. You know? Or niceness. Tom Buck called it wimpsomeness. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Of course, it made people mad, but... You know, uh, I see Danny looking there too, but like at the end here on page 74, again, he says, again, law and gospel. If a Christian's like, is there any hope? Can I go? Can I, can I get back on this path? Evangelist says, thy sin is very great, for by it thou hast committed two evils. Thou hast forsaken the way that is good to tread in forbidden paths. In other words, he's not sugarcoating. He's like, yeah. you, you're wrong. No. You know, you, you've tried to go, uh, I'll just make up a thing. You've tried to go to alcohol, Alcoholic Anonymous or whatever to, to clean up your act. But you, you need, you're going the wrong way. You need, you need Christ. Like, we, we actually believe that if people will begin to reform their ways, it brings them closer to Christ. And evangelism understand, evangelism, evangelist understands, no, reforming your ways apart from Christ, it doesn't bring you closer to Christ. No. It pushes you. It pushes you away. So he says, "You've you've committed great sin, and yet he follows it up. Yet will the man at the gate receive thee, for he has good will for men." Only said he, "Take heed, thou turn not aside again, lest thou perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little." In other words, he said, "Go the gate. He has good will. He will receive you. But don't you dare try to turn out of this path again. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Right. Absolutely." Yeah, there's a <laughs> we see another insight there of both um 
uh, if we think about, well, let's think about it this way. If we think about the sufficiency of Scripture bouncing off of something that we've talked, we talked about a few minutes ago, um, uh, that evangelist is using all the tools of Scripture at his disposal. He's he's uh, teaching, he's correcting, he's rebuking, he's training um, uh, toward or for righteousness. Uh, so he's he's pushing um, he's pushing Christian toward true righteousness, and um, but he's not afraid to give a stern or harsh word either. Um, he's using both law and gospel, as was mentioned before. I want to point out a few things uh, that we uh, kind of skipped over. Evangelist proceeds um, after giving another. Uh, that first message of great hope uh, that uh, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. Uh, uh, Be not faithless, but believing. He goes on to say, then evangelist proceeded saying, give more earnest heed to the things that I shall tell thee. So he wants to explain to him what happened. um, uh, You know what he, he gives an exposition or explanation of what happened, what drew Christian off the way. And he basically says, "Look, worldly wise men, um, uh, worldly wise men should be utter- taught three things that should be utterly abhorred. One, uh, he turned you out of the way; that should be utterly abhorred. Two, his laboring to render the cross odious to thee should be utterly abhorred. And three, in his setting your feet in the way that uh, leads." Uh, leads to admonition or administration of death. That needs to be utterly abhorred. So these are the three things that worldly wise men has has sinned or has done against Christian. The first in turning him out of the way, he talks about. Um, he turned him out of the way to a way that he taught. He he talks about him. Worldly wise men is having only doctrines of this world. And he says, for this reason, there he says, therefore, he always goes to the town of morality to church. Mm. Uh, so it even he, he he's even putting up. Uh, this is where I like the the connections to um, worldliness within the church that y'all have made, because evangelist seems to be calling out. Look, his whole church, the whole church he goes to is worldly. Mm. That that's where he goes to church. He goes to the church of morality. That's his religion. That that's his. That's what he is worshiping. <coughs> uh, two, his his laboring to render the cross odious to thee. Uh, I won't read it because we've read a lot, but um, basically he's saying uh, you should uh, you should prefer your cross. And what he means by cross here is his suffering along the way. This is what we were talking about earlier about the cost of discipleship. Um, and he, he's even quoting here from, essentially quoting here from Scripture, um, when he says that, and he that comes after him, talking about the king of glory, and hates not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, for his own life also, he cannot be his disciple. So he's talking about the cost of discipleship here. He's talking about um, uh, the, the suffering or, or the demands of, of the Christian life. Um, the, the things that faithfulness or going along this narrow way, this wicked gate is going to cost him. 
And so he's he's a, a pouring worldly wise man for saying, look, he's making your uh, cost, your cross here, uh, worthless. Uh, but it should be uh, more, uh, but you should, he, uh, but evangelist tells Christian that you should uh, you should prefer this way. You should prefer these sufferings. You should prefer this cross than all the treasures in Egypt. Mm. Um, and then lastly, uh, setting your feet in a way that leads to the administration of death. And what is that? What is that death? Just so that we can cover all of this this narrative here. This legality is therefore not able to set thee free from thy burden. No man was as yet ever rid of his burden by him, nor ever, uh, nor ever is like to be. Yet cannot uh, you cannot be justified by the works of the law, for by the deeds of the law no man living can be rid of his burden. That's the takeaway from Christians aside into mm. from worldly wise man into uh morality the city morality and um what miss what mr legality could never actually give him mm. yeah very good um you know this can be manifest in today's time i think about uh you know like hebrew roots you know, movement or whatever. I yeah. think about Roman Catholicism. Yep. Yep. I think about um, Church of Christ, Church of Christ, yep. or even you know some you know strict like uh, IFB. You know, like um, Independent Fundamental Baptist in the sense of like you know these these are the ways that you will ultimately find your salvation. They, and and some of them they yeah, they yeah. might not even say it that way. It can be subtle, like and, it's it's Jesus, yeah. but it's Jesus and. And uh, and then of course you have just the typical like we've talked about, um, superficial sort of Baptist church yeah. that there's no uh, there's no cross there's no cross, yeah. just uh, just just pray the prayer and try to live right you know, but the but the whole point is like like this is so central to the faith and serious, the the whole point is that only Christ not only by the way relieve us of our burden because it's not. Someone has said this before, but the, our problem is not that we feel guilty. That is a problem, but it's not that we feel guilty. The problem is we're guilty. Uh, we are guilty. That's the problem. We feel guilty because yeah. we are. Yes. The problem is like, good. well, why do I feel guilty? Because you're guilty, yeah. right? Like that's your problem. Yeah, yeah. So feeling guilty, um, you know, and, and you think our society makes, I mean, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic, billions a year on dealing with people's guilt. Yes. Whether it's alcohol or drugs or therapy, you know, starting to step on the toe of the dragon quattro. Listen, I'm sick. There's a, there's a people here in Conway. There's a church here in Conway. I saw the pastor and his wife talking about get a therapist. You know, I'm like, dude, get off that. You know, all these ways that we can deal with guilt, but here's, here's, there's only one way. There's only one way to deal with your guilt rightly. And it's not it's not even that you feel guilty is the greatest problem, is that you are guilty. And the only way is the cross. Mm-hmm. It is that yeah. God yeah. was pleased, Isaiah fifty three says, pleased to crush his son yeah. mm-hmm. in our stead. Our greatest problem is that we are guilty before a holy God, and God has dealt with that in Christ on the cross, and the only way 
for that to be applied to the wretched soul is by grace alone, through faith alone, believing, trusting, like we talked about our last episode, crossing the bridge. Um, the only way to deal with that is by faith alone in Christ alone. Yep. Mm. You can't go to Sinai. And, you know, our society, to, to piggyback off what you just said, comes up with things that you're just not allowed to go against, things that you're not allowed to say. Even in a debate, you're just not allowed to bring that up. And one thing that um, you're just not allowed to say is what you just said, but it's so true. What they try to do is build a wall around certain sinful beliefs that you can't break down and confront. But they are things that are often the most necessary to confront, and that is that, what you just said. It's not that you feel guilty, but it's that you are guilty because, you know, if, if the issue is you feel guilty, well, in, in our evangelism, we're not allowed to say things that make people feel more guilty, or we're not allowed to make people realize that guilt. But that's exactly what the gospel does. You are guilty but there's a way that you can go. Um, and there's yeah. a thing that you can do and, and see, well, and that is believe in Christ, repent of your sins, repent of the city that you live in and go to the wicked gate to the cross. Um, he talks a lot about morality. We're not against morality. We're not against civility and we're not against living according to God's law either. You know, Amen. This yeah. is not, yeah, this is, we're not, calling for a life of antinomianism but you said earlier christ and da, 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 da. the christian life is not christ and morality morality is a necessary it's an inevitable fruit of the pilgrimage that we're on if we are on the right path we will live in a in a um definitive sense a moral life for sure. We're definitely not going to live an immoral life, but there's so much, there's so much more to the life of holiness than just mere morality on this pilgrimage. You know, uh, as, as we'll go down the chapters, we'll see that, especially when he's passing through vanity fair, Christian lives a holy life after he's had this burden removed from his back He's in a life of holiness, and he's striving towards holiness. And anytime things come up that threaten his lifestyle of holiness, he's called to steer clear of that. Mm-hmm. But it's not just morality. See, I, I want us to to think of this verse that is one of the pillars of our identities as Christians that speaks so much more than just about doing good things and living a moral life, and that is 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 4, starting at verse 4, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. A few verses later says this, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now 
you have received mercy. And as we are talking about Christian's lifestyle before he gets to the gate, it's important that we don't try to lead people to mere legality. Yeah. To mere morality, especially before they get to the wicked gate, because they could be moral people, but they are not yet God's people. They could be doing right things and they could be living according to God's law, but they may be doing that because they are they are on the path up the mount the mountain Sinai. Mm. But that does not lead to the destination that gives them the title God's people. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's very Baptist of you. The um, <laughs> the the new covenant makes some promises. Jeremiah makes some promises. The new covenant is that God's people will have the law of God written on their heart. They will know God. They will have their sins forgiven. Yeah. These are the people who are God. These are the people in the new covenant. Those who have the law of God written on their heart, those who um, know God in Christ, those who have their sins forgiven, that's who's in the new covenant. Yeah. If if that's true of you, you're in the new covenant. If that's yeah. not true of you, you're not in the new covenant. I don't care if you've been baptized as a baby or, you know, someone told you in their new covenant because your parents were Christians or whatever. It's just not true. It's not, it's, it's not the Bible. You must mm-hmm. go through um, the, the wicked gate. So... I think it's very good what you said about morality. Well, no, we're not against morality, but we're uh, we're for mor- biblical morality, a morality that flows from a regenerate heart. You don't get biblical morality by trying to be moral, and then God changes your heart. It's the other way around. Absolutely, yeah. Your morality is a result of your work as a priest to God. Of course, you're going to be moral when you're offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Christ, but. Your your morality is worthless and, and empty if you're not a priest to God, and if you have not become a spiritual stone built up into the holy temple yeah. of God by by Christ, yeah. everything through Christ doesn't matter how long you've been on Sinai. If you haven't made it to the wicked gate to be placed at the foot of the cross and looking at the cross and have your burden falling on you, it's just morality, yeah, and legality, and as loving evangelists see as a christian you're probably listening to this right now and you're like i know this i know all this i'm preaching to the choir well the next step for you to is to be evangelist be evangelist and understand what he is doing here we can't we should focus on pilgrim's progress on the christian's progress to the celestial city but we can't overlook evangelist here you know, I'm, as we're talking about this, I'm I'm thinking right now. You know, if we're discipling people, how to be an evangelist? Three steps, and we just open the book and we look. First off, we open the Bible, but we open Pilgrim's Progress, the second half of Pilgrim's Progress, and we look at evangelist here. Number one, he has pointed them to the right direction. Number two, when they are off the right direction. When they turn off of their path, we point them back to the right direction. We don't mm-hmm. let them figure it out on them on their own. That is so unloving. You know, that can be clothed in, you know, just this so amicable, easy, welcoming spirit. Just let them do it. They're going to come across it themselves. That's unloving. But number three, as Danny read for us on page 72, we point out to them why that path that they were on should be hated. 
Yeah. I wish that, um, I wish that, you know, evangelists, it's easy here, you know, um, I wish that uh, I wish evangelists would run into someone else. You know, it was like where he kept out of like because sometimes in our life we run into people time and time again and we're doing this stuff. We're doing what evangelist has done with Christian, except they're not doing what Christian does. They just keep going the wrong way, mm. you know. And another thing I was going to say, and you guys, you guys are right there. You're at the cusp of it. It's like one of the only experiences I've, I've had that, you know, that you guys haven't quite had yet. And that is, um, with your children like this is yeah. applicable not just to like people out there but what you just said this is how we be a good evangelist with our children mm-hmm. you know as as a, yeah. and, and you know i mean little danny he's he's getting on up there but you know they're they're understanding but as they get older you know and, and you have to walk through these things with them and and um yeah it's uh it, it can be difficult but the most loving thing that we can do to our children is taking them back at time and time again. And I think it's important too, to instruct them like what we said earlier, you're going back to the Bible. Like it's just, this isn't just what dad thinks, you know, like, look, here's what God thinks. Here's what God thinks about these mm-hmm. things. And, and so anyway, but, but this task uh, that the evangelist has, it, it seems easy here because, you know, Christian goes off the path, evangelist, talks to him now christian's going to go on the path and you're like well praise god you know but it's not in real life it's not easy to be the evangelist because you see people do that and you've had the victories and you said no no go back to path there's the wicked gate and you see that yeah but you've also had people like like you're trying to climb sinai again like what are you doing? <laughs> or they're going the or turn to the city of destruction? Yeah, altogether. yeah they're yeah. going back to the they're city of destruction, back. or whatever. Or they're or they're coming back to you like my life's messed up, you know. And you're like, yeah, this is the eighth time we've had this conversation, mm-hmm. um, and my advice is not any different. You need to repent. You yeah. need Christ, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so uh, it it can be a hard work. Um, that's but remember what Paul says in Second um, uh, Timothy four to timothy he says do the work of an evangelist mm-hmm. not play the part of an evangelist do the work of an evangelist mm-hmm. it can be it can be hard work but it's a joyful it's a joyful work amen well it's six we're about to have to go to work yeah which I bet you're going back to bed, D2. No, I'm not going back to bed. I'm up for the day. <laughs> Quattro, has been a joy to have you on again. Yeah, thank you, guys. Man, this is such good stuff. Hey, let me give a quick plug. There's a, I don't know who publishes it, but there's a really nice children's Pilgrim's Progress. It's called, I think it's called Little Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. It's with a rabbit, though. So it's kind of like Peter Rabbit meets Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. It's a hardback. It's got really cool pictures. Uh, somebody just showed it to me recently. Um, so Google it. It's a really cool edition. I just wanted to bring that up for anybody looking for resources for the kiddos. Sure. And there's the, um, it's, you know, um, Paul Cox has, uh, yeah. which is, yeah. which is not, it's really just like an abbreviated version, but it's kind of neat. My kids liked it. I think you might have, um, coloring pages too uh with that was kind of yeah. neat you know ref what, tunes, ref tunes. Ref tunes, yeah paul cox yeah check that I'm out sure danny's uh, been eating that up 
He well, loves yeah, the color. Uh, Pilgrim's Progress, Bird. a poetic journey. Yeah. Is the Ref Tunes one. I've mentioned that before on here, but I'm glad you brought it up again. Yeah, a little coloring book. Don't watch the movies. No, I'm just joking. You can, but it's like, read the books for sure. Like, don't circumvent reading Pilgrim's the, Progress. The, the recent Pilgrim's Progress, the kids' one that came out, mm-hmm. it's on Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. It's pretty creepy, actually. The um, most recent one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we played it for a church. A bunch of kids got scared. Oh, that's great. Okay, I want it. <laughs> yeah. You know, bunch of kids got scared. They were that's just hilarious. like, uh, did they get scared into repentance? Um, some of them eventually. Did. <laughs> yeah, we had some baptisms. I'll say it works. Yeah. Why are y'all even <laughs> preaching anymore? Just play that. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, we're going off the rails. Three part yeah, series. <laughs> a three part series where we show movies at the very end, and we just explain what's happening into the, in the movie in our sermons let's just be honest we like pilgrim's progress because bunyan alliterated it and yeah baptists have been alliterating <laughs> that's why he's about it ever since, yeah ever since some some would push back on that you know his view on the lord's supper but hey anyway. speaking of that um we can close after this but we need to have a bonus episode on the theology of bunyan because things like that Mm-hmm. So uh, the Lord's Supper and his view of the Sabbath, because he was not a Sabbatarian, if I'm reading him correctly, he actually kind of rails against the Sabbath and things like that. Um, but maybe we can have a long Saturday morning episode on the theology of Bunyan. That'd be good. I would have, I would have to do some real homework for that episode. You're yeah. going to have to be willing to wake up for that. Saturday morning, I bet we be a tough one to get Danny to get out of bed. That that actually would be pretty tough. <laughs> I, 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 I can tell you this. Um, if you want to read a, you know, there's lots. Actually, Bunyan wrote a lot, mm-hmm. actually. But if you want to read a sermon by Bunyan, I can't remember the t- title, but you can just Google this. The, la- the last sermon that he preached, like right before he died. It, in fact, he got sick on this journey. And he I preached. Think I think I've read this. Yeah, he yeah. preached about. You have to be born again, you know, and regeneration, um, uh, the first cause, as it were, you know, in the Ordo Salutis, Holy Spirit, you know, bringing about regeneration before faith and all that. And it's good. I, I, I preached that one time during COVID um, during our, uh, like a Sunday night or something. Um, I just, I read it, you know, I wasn't. <laughs> I well, wasn't. That's where I read it because you were. Oh, okay. You, you sent it to me then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't like pretending it was mine you know but uh i i attributed it (laughs) but really though let's after this we'll talk about a good time to schedule that i I say we should do that soon that'd sound really fun study a little bit of bunion i have a few things in mind that i'd love to talk about with you guys that dr bush and i talked about a little bit about his biography but watcher you know quite a bit about his um lord's supper view i'll read his sabbath stuff again um maybe we can just talk about Bunyan for a little bit because he wrote a, a lot of good stuff, but he in and of himself and his life is just interesting to talk about. Yeah. Can't wait to see him in heaven. Yeah. It's going to be great. Bet he had a beard like yours. That celestial city. <laughs> yeah. We're good. No, he didn't have a beard. He's, he had a like a mustache. Like a mustache. And I'm mustache. sure when he was in prison for those 12 years that he grew out a pretty good beard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got to go. CD, D2, and our man Quattro coming at you, recorded and direct from the Classic Cast where we just wrote it.